0: It was quite funny because in the beginning, um, the guys in Sydney, the Kids Cancer Project tried to drum up obviously mm-hmm. as much publicity, so they went to the media. <clears throat> the media didn't want a bar of it, um, really did Channel 7, Channel 9, ABC, because uh, I think they think that we couldn't do it, um, okay. So they, you know, but it was quite funny, the closer we got to Sydney, the more media coverage we got, like fantastic, <laughs> these two <leaders laughs> are actually going to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you they know. can do it. <laughs> yeah. And bloody idiot um, you know, <laughs> <Two heads. so laughs> By the time we got to Bondi, there was every TV channel was there and, and things like that. So awesome. From a personal perspective, there was a bit of air yeah, sucked in.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Welcome to another episode. That recording that you just heard was Tim Blair, and he talks about his amazing run, from the bluff to bondi with his best mate shane taylor and they raised a bunch of money for kids suffering from cancer we'll talk about tim a little bit later in this program but to my week it's been pretty busy i've been trying to finish off a few assignments before i can finish my diploma uh which hopefully will be at the end of next week at earliest next week and then i just have to wait for everything to be marked that's a pretty bloody good feeling if you ask me we also had Olveston pride group training start yesterday we had six runners uh yeah and it was awesome they did some 200s and a tempo if you're interested in either the Devonport or Alveston memberships, please check them out. It's only $10 a week, $40 a month, and you won't regret it. We've had so many personal bests and achievements lately, and it's such a positive vibe. So if you want to find out more information, just head over to www.everydaylines.org. I've been looking at what my next course of study will be. Uh, at the moment, I think I'm going to go with Uni of Taz, and start my Bachelor of Social Work but the most exciting thing about this is that I want to add to my Everyday Lions brand and I would like to offer a service that is holistic offering counseling, meditation, life coaching and CBT therapy for people who are struggling in similar situations to myself Uh, I think it's just gonna make me feel good and Uh, you just feel better if you're helping people and if I'm working towards a goal that I know that I want to get out of bed for every morning that's the best thing and I think that we all need to be fired up by something and that's something that I'm definitely fired up about and uh, personally I'm 11 months sober which is great not far away from that year I recommend go out uh, with my friend Amy and the family for tea at um, the local restaurant here i'm not sure what it's called the one up at the top of the bluff anyway if you're listening you you know what it's called okay uh, what else is happening the ross running festival has limited spots left in the 10k the half marathon and the full marathon i think they capped them at 350 entries so if you haven't entered yet it's only about four weeks away hurry up and enter you don't want to miss out on that event okay to this week's guest this week's guest is tim blair what a legend he is tim has been running and raising money for children uh, suffering from cancer for a number of years we'll talk about some of these amazing runs he's done the one from bluff to bondi an amazing run in nepal that he did i think uh, the tim blair running foundation or well, Tim Blair Run for Kids Foundation has raised four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for cancer. That is just amazing. I really enjoyed this podcast. Uh, like I said, Tim's a legend, and they've got this awesome event coming up at the weekend where all these riders are going to be riding and raising some funds. Tim touches on this. If you're listening to this podcast and you've got some money or you'd like to donate, I will leave a link down below for you and where to donate. Okay, here's Tim Blair. I've been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lyons podcast.
0: Hey mate, how are you going?
2: Good. How's your day been?
0: Uh, really good, thanks Brian. Um, started the, the day with a a nice, gentle 20K, um, just out through the dawn and up through 4th and then back out through Sprayton. And it was a beautiful morning. It's starting to warm up. I think we got through winter. So, um, yeah, it's, it's starting, the weather's starting to improve and, and be kind to, to people like myself and yourself that go out in these early mornings and looking for a run. So, yeah, it was a nice way to start in the morning. Beautiful. And did you have some company? I did. I did. Uh, yeah, had my old sidekick Shane with me and Dana Astle, who um, we've been, Dana and Daniel and, and Shane and I have been running together now on and off for, for a number of years, um, getting together um, just to do some longer runs together. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to have some company, as you know, and, it, and it's good to have a chat as you're running around, knocking out, you know, running around for a couple of hours doing 20K or 30 or whatever it is you're doing. And, um in saying that, I do enjoy running on my own as well because I find it a, a bit of a, a, a peace time and relaxation and meditation time to especially when you're doing a longer one and you get out into the country and uh, it's a time to sort of just debrief your own in your brain and get rid of all the crap that comes out through the week. And um, So I do enjoy running on my own but I do enjoy running with some friends and especially Shane and I. we've, As you probably know, we've ran, done a lot of runs together and... Uh, we'd never run out of shit to talk about or stuff to poke fun out of that. So yeah, it's always good.
2: Great. And it's such a good bunch that you mentioned there. Um, we'll mention your, your mate Shane a little bit down the track, but uh, let me know how, or or tell me how you actually got into the running. How did that
0: happen um, for you? So my, I used to absolutely detest running and could never understand why anyone would want to run uh, all through high school. We had cross countries and I was that I guess that child that would get out the front and then hide in the bush during the cross country and jump on people and drag them through the mud and stuff like that. And yeah, never had an interest in running. Um, a number of number of years ago, uh, over 26 years ago, I suffered badly from epilepsy. Uh, and that was due to my years of younger years of playing football and things like that. And, and not looking after myself and being hit on the head once too many. And, uh, which caused scar tissue on my brain and I was having up to seven seizures a week and it was pretty much life debilitating. It was controlling what I wanted to do, which, you know, obviously I couldn't go to work or anything. So one day I decided I should just try and get fit. And uh, Mandy and I was living at La Trobe at the time. And um, um, yeah, so one day I decided that I was going to run from La Trobe to Devonport and, and off I went and, um, and then I uh, got talking to, The likes of people like Ray Johnson and things, and got invited along. And I used to go for bits to run with Ray and Justin Clements and Lee Austin and Ricky Brown and them guys. And um, then I got invited to go along and run with the P Triple CT, which I think it was the um, the Devonport uh, feature race, the the old I think it was two laps around up James Street Hill, down around the other side, and around Coles Beach and stuff. Ten k so that was my first race with the P Triple CT, and. I just really liked the fact that uh, everyone there was encouraging, and and you know, uh, so I just yeah kept going back and back, and um, enjoyed the fact that I could run and, and be passed by people like Viv Woodward and and people like yourself, and and my goal goal back then was to okay when when yourself or Viv and that come past me, I'd try and hang on for as long as possible, and just get a feel for what it was like to run those insane kilometer rates, and and that's how. I was never a fast runner, uh, but I developed a little bit of speed, and you know, pretty happy with. I think my fastest five is about seventeen odd minutes, and oh, I've done a, a thirty-eight minute ten, so that's about as quick as I'd ever get. About, that's way in the past now, but um, just enjoyed running, and 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 I get a lot of people that ask me about, oh, you know, you know, what do you do for running? What do you do for training? Blah blah. But I think the bottom line is just run happy. Um, yeah that that's it, you know, like humans have been running since way before us. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, everyone runs for a purpose, whether you run for a living or you're trying to get a little bit quicker or you want to break the PB, but the bottom line is you've got to run happy. Um, Yeah. You know, and it's, I guess that goes with life. You've you've just got to be happy in whatever it is you do. And, and I just thoroughly enjoy running. Um, and I guess from a personal perspective, what I get out of it is I like to see how far I can push my body. Um, sometimes that's worked out really well and sometimes it hasn't been so well for me. Great. But, um, that's, that's what I like about the distance stuff.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned that you ran because
0: you're epilepsy. Where's that at these days? Um, yeah. So I um, after taking up running and I was still struggling a bit, I ended up spending a, a fair time in Melbourne at the Austin hospital Uh, I got taken over there to see a doctor called um, Sam Berkevich and he was one of the leading three doctors in us in the world actually for epilepsy. And I was going to do a temporal lobe lobotomy um, on me, which is basically cut out part of my brain, um, which was causing epilepsy. I was fortunate enough to get in and see professor Sam and sorry. Um, And then so that, Eventuated into me spending six weeks in the Austin Hospital being monitored, um, being poked at, prodded at. Uh, I, I spent eight days sitting in a in a recliner chair with a camera on me, and I had twenty four cables coming out of my brain, wow. uh, where they monitored my brain um, frequency and reactions to different things. Uh, and then they decided that I didn't actually need the operation; um, they could they could deal with it in other ways. And um, Unfortunately, here in Tassie at the time, there wasn't a lot of doctors that dealt with epilepsy. So I was taking something like 27 tablets a day and um, that just, yeah, compelled, made it worse. So I was having like a reaction to the medication at the same time. So I was lucky enough to be able to get in to see Professor Birkovic and, and spend the time at the Austin Hospital. And they, they weaned me off most of my medication Then slowly but surely I've sort of uh, outgrown it. I still have minor seizures um, in my sleep. That not, not very often. Haven't had a, what they call a grand mal seizure for, for years. Touch yeah. wood. Um, I did have a couple, a few years back when my father passed away, but that was just a, um, a reaction to my father passing away. So, yeah, touch wood. I'm pretty much free of epilepsy now. And, um, you know, it's it was just a, another way of, you know, being told you need to look after yourself, I guess. Yeah. Mate, that's amazing.
2: Oh, the fact that the running... Has been such an important factor um, in helping that. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, look, running's been um, not just from the epilepsy side of stuff, but um, as you know, Lindsay, um, just purely from a mental side, we all we all deal with shit, and um, you know, dealing with everyday stuff, uh, running has been a real uh, therapy for me, um, and. You know I, I do it for a cause i do it for kids um that that's my main driver and, and my inspiration but like i say from a personal perspective what i get out of it especially running long distances is that I, I love to be able to push myself and i was really fortunate back through the whole epilepsy thing i had a doctor at latrobe dr sainer his name wasn't and, and he said something to me that stuck with me and he said the human body is designed to be pushed and 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 I honestly believe that, you know, we um, we don't push ourselves enough and that that's in most things and we don't test ourselves and, and we've got to do that to find out where where we're at and, and we've got to do it knowing that we potentially may fail at it, but it's all about finding that that limit and, and everything else. And, you know, and that goes along to being parents and adults too, or I, I believe as adults. We're here not to tell children... Um, what their limits are, but we're here to help children find their limits, you know, and and encourage kids to, you know, do whatever it is that they think they want to do or need to do. And and I guess from a personal perspective, um, you know, like my two children, I've always encouraged them to do whatever it is they want to chase and, and using my son as an example, you know, he does some, what people look at and say, that's just some crazy stuff on a mountain bike or, or whatever it is, you know, backflip bikes out of the skate bowl or backflips a bike while they're racing down a hill and things like that. But you now we're here to encourage them to push their boundaries and, and find it. You know, if, if we don't push boundaries, we become pretty boring. And so as an adult, we, we need to encourage kids to push the boundaries. And if that means, you know, going for a run and someone needs push them to help them run 5Ks. If if that's you know a goal that someone needs to fulfill, we, we need to help and encourage and do that sort of stuff. So that's yeah, fantastic. I, I love running for that reason, you know. Yeah, you, you can push yourself and find find yourself almost, you
2: know. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I loved how you said, uh, "Push kids." I know my parents. Um, they knew I had a, a hobby, I suppose, in juggling and unicycling, yeah. and and they supported that. And yeah, you I know, yeah. at the time, I bought like an eight hundred dollar chainsaw, but they <laughs> saw that I. But I yeah. loved it. Um yeah. so yeah. yeah, I think I think just fostering what you're good at as well.
0: Yeah, you know, and your passions and I think as as humans, mate, we get way, way too caught up in what a lot of people believe success is. And and a lot of people think success is all about the money and the fancy car and everything else. But I I, I don't believe that for a minute. Look, we're we're really fortunate. We you know, both Mandy and I have had good jobs and we do get to drive around in some you know reasonable cars and you get to go on some holidays and, and things like that. Um, but success is being happy, and, and um, if you're happy in life that you've succeeded, you know, you, you've been just as successful as the people you see on the news, like the Bill Gates's and them type of people. If you if you can be happy most days with what you've done or what you're doing, and, and you can pick a couple of people up on the way and, and take them with you, uh, you've been, you know, the biggest success stories getting around. and that's what success is to me. It's, it's not about what you've got at the end of the day. You can have the biggest house, the biggest car, and the biggest bank account, but you're still an arsehole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, true. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah.
2: and this yeah. is something that I've only just found out the last few years. If I'm going to be happy with my life, I've got to do with my passions and the yeah. things that excite me. Yeah. And I've found that, and it feels awesome. I was one of these people that just always floated through life. Yeah. So. Mate, you've yeah. nailed
0: it. And, and I guess we was lucky. I men, and you know, I was lucky. We sort of, we got to travel years and years ago. And when we first travelled to Nepal, um, that's where, you know, Nepal's a really poor country and we, we've got a lot, a lot of close friends there, um, really close friends there. And um, we, we just was amazed by their generosity. And, and you're with people that struggle to get a meal, one meal a day, but their generosity, you know, these people would give up their meal. For, for us wow. and things like that. So that that generosity is immeasurable, you know, that you go to a country where these people only possibly get one meal a day, but they're willing to give that up for a complete stranger. Um, so that that's, you know, that's amazing stuff to me. And, and you know, and they're happy. They're happy yeah. with what they do and, and things like that. So that they're living a, a quaint, quiet, comfortable life. And they're not surrounded by multi-story houses and you know gold jewelry or anything else but they got a smile on their face so yeah yeah that's that's what happiness is to me yeah
2: it's beautiful and kindness doesn't cost a thing does it
0: it doesn't doesn't cost anything no you know saying g'day or whatever and that's the other thing with running you know you you run around the track here in devonport and how you going and you know it's amazing everyone's out there and as you know lines coming from when i first started running especially through winter uh yeah, there'd probably be you and I and people like Paul Birch and stuff running around, and yeah, um, that's about <laughs> it. But gee whiz, it's, it's like Flinders Street out there, sometimes, <laughs> isn't it? Mate, we've got a culture, we've yeah, we a culture, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you know, which is really really nice. It's um, absolutely you know, so many people used to say to me, Oh, you know, i seen you out running on your own over the weekend or whatever, but you know, they don't say that to me anymore because. I'm not out on my own anymore. <laughs> no, you got many friends, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the you best. Know, there's, yeah. there's people running everywhere. <laughs> anyway, so it's good. It's really good. Yeah,
2: it's so true. Um, just this change the last four years, it's like finding running again. Like I've I've run for a few months. I will get back into it. But I tell you what, it's it's just awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's really nice. And you know, people like um Beck De Groot and Bronte and them guys who I never ever knew before. Um, but you know, that that brought so much running passion into Devonport. Um, you know, and I guess people used to ask me about going for run and stuff, you know, what are you doing on the weekend? And, um, oh, you know, cause weekends are long run days. Um, yeah. And back when I was training for a lot for, for when I was doing a lot of long running, you know, weekends, I could run a hundred plus K's in a weekend um, wow. <laughs> over two days. So, you know, it wasn't very advertising for someone to say, Oh, can I come for a run with you? no one wanted to go for a 50 or 60. <laughs> <point run>. <laughs> Don't <laughs> blame them, mate. See <laughs> you, know, so so Tim. People, yep. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, people, people were a bit standoffish. And and that was like when I've known Shane nearly all my life through school, you know, he was a year behind me at school and stuff. And um, he got talking to me about going for a run. And, and Shane has been a runner all his life, but never ran marathons or anything and ran half marathons and quite quick half marathons back in his day. But, yeah. Um, you know, the first time he'd come out with me, you know, I remember the first time we clocked over 40 K's and, and wow. he, was, he was hurting big time, you know, and, and I was loving it, loving watching. Yeah. It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know sick. <laughs> yeah, that that um that particular day I'd planned to run 50 and I think we got to about thirty-eight, and that poor bugger was was just dragging his ass up the road, and yeah. you know, and I kept saying things to him like, oh, "If we run a bit quicker, we'll get it done quicker," <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, and yeah. um, it just wasn't helping the cause. But you know, he's a tough bugger, and, and he got through it, and, you know. Then, we, right. I think he's actually only ever done one official marathon, and that was after we ran to Bondi, we we went down to Hobart and did the Cadbury's Marathon as our comeback run. On no training or anything else, and yeah, um, so we <laughs> drove down that night, spent the night at Hobart, got up, ran the marathon, and drove home. And then we, we needed a can opener to get ourselves out of the car once we got <laughs> home. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine
1: three hour trip <laughs> yeah, back.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you know, and I think that's his only official marathon. Okay, he's obviously done a few long runs in between that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And
2: we'll mention that friendship a little bit uh, later down the track. But what does your typical training week look like right now? Uh,
0: At the moment, so um, I've got, uh, at the end of September, on the 19th of September, sorry, I'm riding 170Ks with the foundation, so from Campbelltown to Devonport. Uh, I've never done that before. Never been much into cycling. You've got to put too many clothes on and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) um, I went for a bike ride last Sunday morning, and I've never been so cold in all my life. Um, Yeah, it's horrible. So... I'm doing that and then five days after that I'm running 60Ks uh, from Bernie back to Devonport and through a number of schools. And that's uh that run is it's 10 years since I did the first official run for Phoebe, so Bernie to Devonport. And we was originally going to do that run in March um, on, the, on the same date as our 10-year birthday and, and obviously with the whole COVID thing. We, we can that, so uh, September's turned out to be quite a, a busy month for myself. Um, so running consists of running every day at the moment and sometimes twice a day. So twice a day are like a morning run, maybe eight to 10. Uh, and then an afternoon run would be something similar. Um, and then uh, I'm running a minimum of 10Ks a day. And then obviously like this morning, I'm sort of starting what we call a taper. So 20 k this morning, but then this afternoon I'll get out and have a bit of a bike ride, probably a mountain bike ride out at Wild Mersey, uh, and that'll be a 30 or 40 k ride, just up and down. Uh, and then tomorrow, um, yeah, I'll probably do something the same. So it's, you know, I'm not, I don't do big kilometre weeks anymore or what I regard as big kilometre weeks. Like back years ago when I was training for Bondi and, and training, you know, doing like 100 plus K runs and things. I could run, I think the biggest training week I ever had, I did about 320 Ks in a week. Um, yeah. That's, a, as you know, mate, that's a pretty solid week. And that's... All you're doing um, is running. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Squeezing in a bit of work, yeah. um, trying to do some family time at the same time. Uh, and that, that was back you know, when my kids were younger and so if if uh, my daughter Lily was swimming in Launceston, for example, that meant that I'd leave home at 4 o'clock in the morning and, and run to Deloraine or somewhere and then be picked up um, you know, at Deloraine or just past Deloraine and then off I'd go and sit in an aquatic centre for the next six hours and watch some swimming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's how I did it. You know, that's how I managed to get training in and and, um, managed to get the family in at the same time or it might be, would have a surf carnival in Bernie and I'd I'd hang around at the surf carnival all day and then run home from Bernie or something like that. Yeah. Um, So there's a fair bit of, I guess, what I say, selfishness in that, but you've got to be selfish to... To do that sort of stuff, you know, yeah. um, and so the fact that I've got what I believe is probably the most amazing supportive family in both in both my children and Mandy uh, obviously helped me achieve that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and, and when we trained for Bondi, that was minimum running twice a day, and um, you know morning runs were fifteen twenties, and and then afternoon runs were very similar. So we were clocking, you know. Just on an average weekday, 30 or 40 k's in a day. Yeah. And, and then long run days on the weekends, um, which were great. You know, like 60 k run out through Moriarty and the farms and stuff like that. Wonderful Beautiful out there. That is, yeah. yeah. Running down the farm, watching the cows chase you and, you know, things like that. Watching the sun come up. Wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, very, very fortunate. Or, you know, I know there was a couple of times we squeezed in some family trips to Hobart. Um yep. And... Get up early in the morning and run to the top of Mount Wellington and back, or something. Yeah. Before everyone else did, um, before the rest of the family was up, so we'd be back in time for breakfast and things like that. So that's that's how we did it. And um, yeah, you know, don't regret it, love it. And, yeah. Um, obviously, as I've got older, I've had to adjust, and as most people do. So it's not so much about the just punching out long kilometres day in day out. It's just about keeping my body in a in a state of where I can knock out a 50k run when I need to. So, Yeah, great. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> and did you want to uh, explain to the listeners how you actually got into your first charity run for cancer? How did that all come about?
0: Um, so through, through running um, and, and the fitter I got, as a lot of people experience, as you get fitter, you want to test yourself. Um, so obviously, to me, the ultimate test was a marathon. Um, back then and I remember training for my first PCCT marathon and um, so I was training and, and thinking this is great, loving it, getting really fit um, and I was fortunate enough then to meet um, some old stalwarts, Les Savage and David Kent and, and I, think, I think both of them guys hold the record for the um, three peaks race I think they've done like 17 or 18 or something like, yeah, wow. Of the three peaks, uh, Les, Les is a sort of bloke he'd just run for days on end and drink for days on end at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I now. do run. Into, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's um has slowed down a lot now in both states, but um I remember running with them guys through the the running club and and uh, they were doing a run from Deloraine to Fourth uh, for a school in Deloraine called Giant Steps, which is a school for children with autism. And that was about 70 odd Ks. And, um, prior to that, I'd done a couple of marathons that were raising money for various charitable organisations and I, and I enjoyed that. Um, so I asked them guys if I could join them in this uh, Deloraine to de 4th run. And we started at uh, the Deloraine the British pub in Deloraine I think it was, okay. uh, early one Saturday morning, we they organised a bus and we got the bus up there and, and we ran in the most atrocious conditions, um, headwinds, rain, everything else, Yeah. <laughs> uh, through through to the fourth pub, finishing at the fourth pub. And and um, not only did I get to run with two wonderful blokes, um, but it was just a great day, you know, as hard as what it was. Uh, I yeah. remember coming to the finish, running up the fourth hill in a massive headwind and <laughs> sleet in your face, but I was just smiling all the way up there, you know. Yeah. And, and we got we got to the fourth pub, and um, I sat down and had a stubby of stout, and then said to Mandy, "Right, I need to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired." <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just a wonderful feeling, you know, and, yeah. and to see that would actually achieve something in in helping children. Um, I guess that's sort of what sparked a flame in me. Uh, and then traveling to Nepal and stuff, and seeing people, wonderful people that just appreciated, you know, simple things and and to me, helping them, with, which was just simple stuff, had um, to start that flame. And then, um, yeah, my daughter, Lily, come home from Nixon Street Primary, where she was at the time, and told me about a young girl who was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, which was very rare for a primary school age girl to be have ovarian cancer. And I got to thinking about that, and I, and I said, oh, we need to do something to help Phoebe. And, um, so, I rang the principal of Nixon Street Primary and said, look, I'd really like to do something to help Phoebe and her family. Um, done a bit of running. I did this once. I ran from Deloraine to Forth. Probably do something similar. Um, so we come up with the idea I'd run from Burnie to Devonport. And um, I envisaged that what I'd do is one weekend I'd get Mandy to drive me to De- uh, Burnie and I'd run home and with any luck would raise $1,000 uh, yep. with a few mates chucking some money at me, you know. Uh, but then, thankfully, the schools got on board, and Grant Armistead from Denport High at the time, and Jody Wilson, who was principal at Nixon Street and stuff, they really drove it. They were the drivers behind it, and and through the support of the schools and and again the community, what I thought was going to be a sad day run and raise a thousand bucks turned into a run during the weekend. We ended up raising seventeen thousand dollars, and that was the, that was the start of um, where we are today, and something that just still blows me away a bit when I think about, um, and it still is pretty simple. Um, you know, there's an actual foundation now there's, there's a committee, there's a board, um, got some wonderful people on the committee, um, you know, that, that do the work and it's got my name attached to it, which I'm not that comfortable with. Um, I don't believe, you know, there's better names out there than mine. Um, but anyway it's it's got my name attached to it um and there's some wonderful people that help organize the events that we do now and and that donate the money and, and things like that and you know we've been fortunate enough where we've donated pretty much over five hundred thousand dollars over the years and which has gone to numerous families and children and and also to research for childhood cancer to finding better treatments and, and hopefully a cure for cancer so um and i, I don't don't say this lightly because i I'm not a big believer of self-praise, but it's, it's something I'm very proud of. Yeah. Um,
2: That was my next question. I I was going to say, yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, um, I I am immensely proud of it. I don't talk about it very comfortably, but um, I'm proud of the fact that it's not just me, but it's something that's been developed and driven over the years by the help of my family and and the community, Um, you know, and, I hate to say it, but it's, it's an example of what one person can do. Yeah. Um, and I've been fortunate enough in this journey to meet some amazing people, um, really amazing people, but none more amazing than the kids that I get to spend time with who are battling cancer and things like that. And, you know, um, I used to think I had bad days, but I've never had a bad day in my life. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> until you, you get to spend time with a, a six year old kid that's, spent the last five years fighting their, for their life yep. to live for So, You know, that's, that's a reality check that doesn't hurt you. Um, and probably, you know, we, we probably all should have it every now and then. Um, yeah, I've often said to people, if ever you're in Melbourne and you want a reality check, go and sit for 10 minutes in the foyer of the Royal Children's Hospital. And it's the biggest reality check and the biggest motivation you can ever get in your life. Yeah, uh, to see what children and families are dealing with in in that hospital, which is an absolute amazing hospital. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, everyone should do it. Just sit yeah. for ten minutes in that foyer, and watch what goes past and things like that. You know. And like does it, this is, is this exactly what
2: inspires you when you're out on the road and you um, fifty days into a run?
0: Yep. Um, pretty much, I've I've done some runs where um, I, I, I say I've failed because I haven't finished. Um, but I've pushed myself to a position where I, I've collapsed and been carted off in an ambulance. Um, and I'm not I'm not proud of that. I'm not. It's not a badge of honor to be put in an ambulance and spend four days in hospital because you've pushed your body to a point where it, it's basically wanting to die. Yeah. Um, but. the the motivation for me to keep pushing is the fact that I I draw strength and energy from, from these kids. Um, what, what I do is, you know, and the pain that I go through is nothing compared to what these kids deal with. You know, there's some stories there that, um, like I say, you, 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 there's a young fella that I spent a lot of time with, unfortunately he's passed away now, but, but young Zach Solis, you know, and and I, I got to know Zach and, and, Still know his parents really well, Nick and Dana and his family. Zach was just the, the most amazing young child as they all are and he, he was 12 years old when he passed away, but he spent about 10 years of his life fighting, yeah. fighting and you know like not just battling to learn math science or English, but actually battling to live and, yeah. and but every time I sat with Zach, we managed to laugh, and his humor was yeah. second to none um, you know so you can't draw strength from that. Um, there's something seriously wrong. Like he, he was just such an awesome young child and, and yeah. just a pleasure to be around. Um, yeah.
2: And I'm sure, you know? <laughs> but but I'm sure that he had fond memories of hanging with you as well. And he would have oh, been aware I, I of I
0: hope so. yeah, what you were doing you know, for cancer as well. Yeah. You know, um, I've had some wonderful times with, with a lot of kids and, and not only that, um, the parents too, you know, um, what they deal with. And, and I used to, um, when I first started to meet these parents and children, I was always a bit cautious on, you know, what to say or, or how to behave. But yeah. the only way you can do it is be honest. And, and you know, because um, I used to think, oh, I can't ask them what sort of day they're having because obviously they're having a shit day, but they're not always having shit days. You know, there's, yeah. there's some shit burn delivered, but it's not a shit day for them because, you know, their child might have responded really well to some treatment today. So that's a positive. Um, yeah you know, and they draw on that. And, and, you know, so you need to, I guess, yeah, but like say, have honest conversations. How are you going? And, and you know, if they say, oh no, we're going okay. Well, yeah. you, you talk with that. But sometimes I'll say, no, nah, look, we're having a really bad day, but you deal with that you know? yeah. and, and you, you you show some empathy for that. And so it's been, it's been a real growth for me. And I'm, I keep, like I say, I'm proud of the fact that the foundation's there, but I'm, Wrap that I've had the opportunity to to be around these people and and befriend them and you know I've got memories and friends for life and things that I'll never yep. forget and it's life changing. That's yeah pretty much fantastic. Yeah,
2: and yeah. and how do you how do you deal with like a child passing away that you've got close to and getting close to these parents? Um, what's your I don't know, self-care, I guess the word is. What do you do for self-care?
0: Um, it's something I struggle with. Yeah. I really struggle. And um, I, I, um, I feel, feel for the child and I feel for the parents. Um, it just, to me, there's no justification for a child to be sick and there's definitely no justification for a child to die. Yeah. Um, I, and, that, and that's something that I really struggle with in my head. And, and going back to um, the running thing and using it as a therapy, um, you know, I here a few years ago, um, I I was really really struggling uh, mentally uh, because it had been it had been a really hard year for me in the fact that I think three or four children that i was really really close to had passed away um you know and i and i i put what i believe was a lot of effort into that and and i felt that i'd failed them yep. um and and so i really struggled to the point and this is something i'm struggling now to talk about um Mandy and i was this time of year was in sydney for for childhood uh, september so gold september so I've been fortunate over the last few years where we've gone to Sydney every September, the beginning of September, and we have lunch with the governor and, and all sorts of fancy stuff. And I'd, I'd been up there a couple of days before that, uh, before Mandy come up, because I had some um, media engagements and things and, and I was really struggling. And, and I talked to one of the girls that I'm really close to from the kids cancer project about failing children and, and not doing enough and that helped, but it was still playing on my mind and, and Mandy and I got up this morning um, to go for breakfast, and I, I, I just brought—I collapsed in the street in Sydney. Um, I was broken, and um, thankfully, Mandy was with me. And um, basically, I just unloaded on yeah. on everything I was I was you know worrying about and carrying. And um, she, thankfully, she was there, and we talked about it, and and that helped a lot. Um, and and I guess I still carry that a little bit, that I am failing them because there's still children getting sick. And But um, what, what keeps me going is the fact that um, I, I am doing something and um, I'd like to do more. And one day I may do more, but I'm not sure what that is. But I'll, I'm still looking for that. Um, yep. You know, I, I, if there's more to be done, I'll find out what it is and I'll do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and... I remember when we ran to Bondi, um, we was fortunate. Then again, through local support, the advocate gave us a journalist and, and he'd come on the whole journey with us. And he right. followed us all the way to Bondi. And there was daily reports in the paper and stuff. And I remember one day running up the road and talking with Jono. And Jono said to me, you know, what, what motivates you? What, what, what do you do it for? And It's the kids that motivate me. And, and I can say this with my hand on my heart. And I, I can say this knowing I would do it. If someone come to me and said, right, you need to run 10 laps around Australia and we'll have a cure for cancer, I would do it in, the, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and, and I wouldn't do it because I want accolades. I would do it purely because I honestly believe kids deserve that chance. Yeah. And, you know, um, and that's, that's why I do it. I, I don't, don't do it for publicity. I don't do it to get my photo in the paper because I've probably got one of the ugliest heads getting around. Um, you but don't. But <laughs> I, I do it purely because I I believe with all everything I've got that children believe the chance they they deserve the chance to grow. Yeah, and and we as adults are responsible to give them that chance. And children being you know children dying or being restricted because of a treatment that hasn't been it's been the same treatment for seventy years. Nothing's changed. And, and if they're fortunate enough to survive cancer, they have a shortened life or they've got to have hip replacements at the age of 18 and things like that, you know, that we need to change that. And, and we can change that using COVID as an example, when we need to do something in this world, we can do it. You know, like here we are six months down the track and they're talking of a vaccine for a disease that we didn't know existed only six months ago, you know, so, um, childhood cancer research is probably the most underfunded research in Australia. Um, It it doesn't get the money that I believe it deserves. And so part of what I do, apart from the running and the fundraising, I've met with countless government officials, I've met with premiers, I've met with um, ministers for health and everything else to um, try and put more money into research, um, you know, for, for childhood cancer because that's a fact that some of these treatments that were developed for adults, are being used on children and nothing's changed in 70 years. Yeah. You know? um, and we need to change that. We, we need adult cancer, you know, gets so much recognition and that's fine. I've got a father that, you know, died from cancer. I was diagnosed with cancer years ago, um, but childhood cancer is where it's at. You know, we, if we can find a cure for childhood cancer, we find a cure for cancer. Yep, and that's it. And ch- children's cancer is different to adult cancer. Um, so that—that's, you know, that's that's what I believe. We we need to give these children. We need to tell tell these kids that we for them, like like you mate, with the work that we talked about before. You know, like child yeah. welfare and that. We're here to help them up. You know, we're not here to knock them down. But we're here to put our hand out to them and and say, you know, what can we do to help you? Yeah, and and, and then that gets passed down the line. That, you know when we're long gone that generosity and empathy and sympathy that's shown gets passed down the line you know yeah like there's there's not one bad child that's born into this world but there's just some bloody terrible parents
2: <laughs> yeah yeah not not everyone is uh, <laughs> yeah probably made to be a parent or no, what do they say it's a privilege not a right is it exactly say? it is
0: a privilege yeah you know? and, and we live in such a privileged world. Um, in, in our world, you know, like here in Australia, we we don't know hardship. We we don't deal with hardship. And then when when we're confronted with it, such as a a wayward child or, you know, the Aboriginal um, things that go on with that, we, we really struggle to deal with anything that's hardship because we don't really know what hardship is. Um, you know, and, and this is, this has been a classic example through the COVID thing. You get my mother's 89. She's in meercroft old people's home, you know, and I go in there and talk to some of the residents, you know, there's an old lady in there from England who yeah. was brought up in England during World War Two. you know, her house was bombed and things like that. She went, went through the, the depression, you know, she was young coming off the depression into World War Two and then dealing with that and dealing with COVID and that, but it's just something else they deal with. Yeah, because exactly. They know what hardship is, you know. Yeah.
2: Um, I I just know personally I've done aged care work off and on the last 10 years and all you have to do is sit there and have a bit of a conversation. You'll you'll find out some very wise words.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and it's wonderful talking to these people. They've got some amazing stories. Um, Yeah. You know, and I think we don't, we don't draw on that enough either. We don't, um, you know, we, 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 well, I don't know if respect's the right word, mate, but we don't respect the, our, our elders enough either because they have got exactly. so much to offer. You know? Yeah. Um, Wisdom and is and power, we, mate. It is, very much so. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. 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 and well, It's like putting that in a running sense. Um, you you know, and, and I know myself, like relating that to my first ever marathon, um, I was running up, you know, the fourth road, which was the, the old club marathon race. Used to run to almost Wilmot and back, I think it was. Running up there, feeling like a million dollars, thinking I've got this marathon stuff nailed. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, hit about the thirty k mark. Everything's looking good. Ray Johnson tells me I'm, you know, I'm in third position, and big Ray. Two, <laughs> two blokes in front of me look like they're really struggling, and and I'm running along, thinking delusionally that shit. This is my first marathon. I could win this thing. You know, like by the time I'd got to the turn and I'm running back into fourth. I couldn't even lift my legs high enough to step over the gutter to get on the footpath. I was ratchet, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And you, you don't develop that wisdom after you, until you've done a few marathons and things like that, you know, like yeah, exactly. understanding what it's about. And that's, I guess, putting that in into a running and life, that's what life's about, you know? Yeah. Don't and live and learn things.
2: Exactly right. But I wanted to stop you before. And you said that you felt like you failed these kids. You haven't failed, mate. Um, you're doing something that's not failing. That's every little bit helps. And, and you can tell how passionate you are on social media, on Facebook with some of the posts you do, and you can tell it's come from your heart. It hasn't come from anything else. It's a place where you really want to help these kids and you're not failing, mate, you're getting the word out there. And I hope this podcast can help in some way as well.
0: Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Brian. And and, and I do appreciate that um, again. And, Something I, 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 don't, I don't deal with personal, you know, pats on the back and that very well. I just, that's, that's just me and that's fine. Uh, yep. But I do appreciate comments like that. And, and I hope, yeah, I hope this podcast can, you know, ignite some passion for people. And look, it's a wonderful running community again, you know, like Gosso sent me a message early in the week. Um, next Friday morning, they're going to have a bit of a Friday fresh run and, you know, raise some money and just stuff like that.
2: Fantastic. Just,
0: that's just wonderful stuff, you know, like, and it doesn't matter whether we raise 20 bucks next Friday or, or 20,000 bucks. Um, the fact is that someone's taken it upon themselves to do something positive
2: and, yeah,
0: you know, that's, that's heartwarming stuff. Um, you know, so again, that, that's something I'm really proud of that, you know, a bloke I didn't really even know, um, who I've only sort of got to know over the last couple of years, sends me a message and says, oh, you know, can we do this? You know, which is just wonderful. Fantastic. That's that's just a really good sign of the community we live in. Um, You know, there's so many positives to draw on, and that's just one example of that.
2: Yeah. And did you want to tell the listeners where they can actually donate some money for this uh, bike ride and run coming up?
0: Um, so, they can donate money to any Bendigo bank branch um, and go in and, and make a donation to the Tim Blair Run For Kids Foundation, or they can jump on Facebook, Tim Blair Run For Kids, or our webpage, which is timblairrunforkids.org.au. Um, yeah, but just, I, I guess this year, being such a different year, um, and talking about when was organising these events, we've sort of tried to put the focus more on awareness, um, rather than, obviously this year's been tough for people in a number of ways. Um, so look, we're, we're always wanting to raise money and, and stuff because obviously that, that's a, a big help, but promo- promoting awareness and raising awareness um, is, is a massive help too. Um, as, in, as an example, through, through this journey, I've been fortunate enough to meet, like I say, some wonderful people now. Uh, a few years ago, I was fortunate enough to meet Glenn McGrath, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming right. everyone listening knows Glenn McGrath. Yep. Um, and I was talking to him about what him and his wife have achieved. Um, can you hear me, mate? hmm Yep. Um, yeah, what him and his wife have achieved. and Yeah. So, and, and they've achieved some amazing stuff when it comes to breast cancer. And. and actually have a look go back and do some research the mortality rate for breast cancer before Jane McGrath was quite high Uh, the survival rates and stuff was was terrible but the work uh, they've done through fundraising and and putting nurses into into remote areas and things like that is amazing but what they did was they give breast cancer a name and a face and for the want of a better term they made breast cancer sexy which meant uh, because it was Glenn McGrath Politicians and stuff wanted to have their photo with at that time the best cricketer in the world. Yeah. Um, so politicians were willing to, okay, we'll donate a couple of million bucks to breast cancer research and things like that, you know. Um, and, yeah. and there was progress made in treatments and and stuff and research for breast cancer. So it's a great example of what awareness can do. Yeah. Unfortunately, um the children are left with like myself that don't really have a profile, you know, unfortunately I couldn't bowl a cricket ball to save myself, but, um, and, and the children themselves, you know, unfortunately a lot of them don't get the opportunity to, to become famous or anything. So, um, and 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 I know he wouldn't mind me saying this, but childhood cancer hasn't become sexy because it hasn't had that profile. So yep. again, the, the funding behind that. So um, to raise awareness helps eventually to raise the profile of childhood cancer. And it's something, I know even myself, a lot of people struggle to talk about childhood cancer because whenever you're talking about a child being affected from a disease or dying is, is yep. difficult stuff. So just the fact that people talk about it, the fact that people recognise childhood, go in September um, and, and talk talk to their friends about childhood cancer, that that creates awareness and you know eventually um, more government funding comes towards research and things like that. So there's a posi- it's not just about raising the money. It's about raising the awareness of childhood cancer, yeah. um, you know, which is something that's, you know, it, it's happening. Uh, the wheels are turning. So,
2: yeah.
0: You know, so that's what this September is about too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> when you do think of breast cancer, you think of the pink awareness yeah, amount. Yeah. Definitely. So they've, they've branded it almost, haven't
0: they? Yeah. Qantas have painted a plain pink. Um, yeah, you know, I know. About four years ago, I was in Sydney at a meeting with the guys at the Kids Cancer Project, and I said, "My goal is to have Qantas paint a plane gold."
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> brilliant, love
0: it. <laughs> I probably should find out where they're all parked at the moment, sneaking and paint one. But... <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> um, I'll do everything in my power to uh, put the link down the bottom, um, share as much as I can, mate. So, thank you. Like you said, uh, if we get more people talking about it that's when change will start to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what it's about, you know. Um, it's a bit like the running thing, mate. You know, like I say, you and I, years ago, there was very few people out running, but all of a sudden people started running and people started to get into it because it's, it's promoted awareness and people see other people doing it and say, oh, yeah. I'll have a crack at that. And, you know, people realise oh, it's actually not that hard. You know, how many Absolutely. times do you hear someone say, oh, I'm not a runner? Um, yeah. I'm not a runner either. You know, <laughs> Every week, do not I hear it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know?
2: Everyone's a runner,
0: um, mate. <laughs> yeah, they are. We, we're yeah. born to run. Um, yeah, exactly. One yeah. of the best books I've, I've ever read is Born to Run. Okay, um, yeah. Okay? And it's about a guy that um, it's about barefoot running and all sorts of stuff, but we're all, all humans. We are actually born to run. Um, yeah. When you look at the way we're structured and stuff, it's just some people run a bit quicker than others and and things like that, but running yeah. such a simple, pleasurable exercise—you um, know—you whack a pair of shoes on, and you can go and spend thirty minutes and get some real benefit from it. Absolutely, so, and, and like I yeah. said, you don't—you don't even need shoes.
2: Some no, people no. run without shoes. So. Yeah,
0: you know, like—and I know. Again, we've been fortunate enough to, to have some wonderful holidays around the place, and one of the things I like when we go to another country, like when we've been to Japan, is getting up early of the morning and. Putting the sand shoes on and going for a run for an hour and a half around Tokyo or something, you know, and, it's and amazing, taking, it? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's probably the best way to see the place. Um, yeah, it is. And I know when we ran to Bondi, both Shane and I talk about that. That we we ran through places where I'd really struggle to find this day, you know. Um, ran up some roads and seen some amazing things, and um, like a story, one of the. One day it was running and I can't even remember what day it was. It was probably about day five or something. And um, so we had it all. There was so much work went into it before we left, like the mapping and the planning. And Google, I found out Google Maps doesn't really work that well because on day one, um, Google Maps led us up a dead end road. So, um, <laughs> Fantastic. That was That was where Google Maps went out the window. And basically every day after that, one of the support cars would go ahead and, sort of work out where the next 20Ks was going to come from and yep. come back and say, right. And this particular day, I reckon we'd spent, so a, a normal day for Bondi was we'd leave the hotel at 4 o'clock, Shane and I, um, we'd try and find our way. And then um, hopefully by about 6.30, our first support car would turn up and we'd have some breakfast on the go, bowl of cereal and an up and go. <clears throat> um, then by about 9 o'clock, we'd get cravings for things like, um, egg and bacon McMuffins. Yeah. <laughs> um, one day there, Chris eye wonderful Chris Radeye. I think he drove about 100 k's to get egg and bacon McMuffins. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's
2: for the cause, isn't it?
0: It is. <laughs> um, we were just eating, you know, eating anything. Yeah. Um, lucky we didn't eat some roadkill one day. We, we were <laughs> um, So this particular day, we'd spent about six hours running on a gravel road through farmland, and the only thing we'd seen was emus, foxes, cows, sheep, and it was literally through fun. We'd seen no other cars, nothing, and uh was running along and we'd come to a fork in the gravel road because we had to get back out onto the old Hume Highway where Mandy and Tracy were meeting us for lunch. And um, Anyway, we, we parked at this fork in the road with the support cars and Shane and I were, were there looking at it and wondering which way do we go, you know, like which is the easiest way, the, the quickest way. And all of a sudden, this old, Holden newt come up over the hill with this old farmer in it. And we thought, oh, shit, because prior to that, I said, oh, you know, we'll probably get bloody lost, end up running back to Melbourne or whatever it is. Anyway, old mate's come up and he stopped. And there was there was no, like, um, oh, what are you blokes up to or anything else? Yeah. He just pulled up and he said, how are you going? And... I said to him, I said, oh, look, mate, we're, um, believe it or not, we're, we're running from Melbourne to Sydney, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and we're just a bit concerned about which road we need to take. And, and when I said we're running from Melbourne to Sydney, you know, there was no, like, oh, God, you're bloody mad or you're serious or, or there was nothing in that. It was, you know, just he just looked at us and I suppose he was looking at us thinking, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah. but, um, anyway, I explained to him we're not sure about which road to go down and, and he just said to us, well, you know, you go down this road about 15 k's and the gate will be locked and you won't be able to get through it because the old prick that owns that land is nothing but an asshole and he'll probably end up shooting you. Or you can go down this road for 10 k's and you'll get out on the Hume Highway. And then he just drove off. Yeah, right. And it was like something out of a movie. And there was no, like, you know, good luck or thanks for, you know, he just drove off after giving us this a bit of information. Yeah. And I said to Shane, I said, oh, well, I don't know, but, you know, who's to say if we go down here, we're not going to get raped by his uncles and cousins. <laughs> get off our land. <laughs> you know, and everything. But he, you know, he was right. We we took the 10K route and almost 10K to the dot, we come wow. out on the old Hume Highway and Beautiful. not long after that, we met Mandy and Trace and the kids and we had lunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <but> right. <laughs> just a wonderful story of, you know, um, and like I say, I wouldn't be able to take it back there if my life depended on it.
2: Yeah, where, where
0: that was, but um, stuff like that. So that that run was was amazing on a number of levels. Apart from the fact that we ran nearly a thousand kilometres in just over a week, um, amazing. The 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 people you meet along the way, uh, the the bonds that are made. You know, Shane and I were close friends prior to that, but we were even closer. You know, there was days days we'd run together, we'd be joking. There was days when we ran together where we'd probably get each other in a headlock. Um, and there was days when we'd run and he was 500 metres up the road and I was dragging my ass along the road. And, you know, and I remember Adrian Triffitt was our main support car. He, he stayed with us most of the time. And I remember one day he'd been following us for a couple of days and, and watching us run. And he, he'd come up beside us and he said, said, Larry, I don't want to upset you, but I've been watching you for two days now and watching Shane runs like watching a Ferrari and watching you mates like watching a, a caboose just model their way up the road, you know? And I said, well, that's about it, Triff, that's all I do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now you come and run a thousand k, mate. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly, you know, but
0: they're, they're wonderful story.
1: That was part one of a two part podcast with Tim Blair. The next episode will be released on the 19th of September, just in time for his bike ride from Campbelltown to Devonport, which is 170 kilometers. He'll be doing that with another group of riders. And then four days later, he'll be running from Burnie to Devonport on the 24th of September, and that's 60 kilometers. If you have listened to this podcast today and you'd like to donate, you can do that by going to the Tim Blair Run for Kids Foundation.org and you can donate whatever amount you'd like. Big or small, I know the Foundation would love your support. Or I could listen to Tim all day. Uh, he's got some amazing stories. In our next episode, we're going to chat about his run in Nepal, uh, some of his ups and downs in his life where he sees the Tim Blair Run For Kids Foundation going and how important his family's been in this journey. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please reach out to Tim. I know that he would think that's pretty awesome. Until next time, I've been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lions podcast and happy running.